Look at my butt. Show number 227 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek in Chicago. Here we are. Here we are. We're in the great city of Chicago. We are. In the great condo of me. <laughs> having Star Trek and popcorn. And beer. And beer. After having a lovely dinner and coming in from the, the hot and blustery outside where we thought it was going to rain at and, any moment. Well, and it still could, but oh my God, it has been so humid. It was like a wet blanket as soon as I got <laughs> out, out of the airport and onto the train. It was like, oh my God, I'm I so know. hot. It but was crazy. You made it. I'm here. We're together. We have Jack the Podcasting Dog. Yep. Which is fantastic. Um, and yes, everything is great. We we overcame fucking technology. Oh, did we ever? <laughs> did we ever? I had okay. Just to, to tell you all that, <laughs> that's going on, um, we wanted to watch some Blu-ray of stuff, course. and I was like, sure, no problem. And then I realized, oh shit, I, you know, I gave away my DVD player, <laughs> and then I realized I don't even know if it would play Blu-rays. So I ordered a real cheap refurbished one. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Elena gets here and hooks it up, and the little tray comes part way out and won't go in and won't go through. And I was like, "Oh crap!" So we ran up to Target. Oh, oh! But before that, you spent a good ten to fifteen minutes trying to find the manual online. Yes, which refuses to download. <laughs> and the paper that comes with it that says it's a user guide basically says, "Go online and download this manual." So you know, we had to run up to Target and. Uh, and buy one. Mm -hmm. But now we're all set and everything's working and I have to share with you all before I forget, it's been sitting on my counter for a good two weeks or more. <laughs> In anticipation of these yes. fabulous like five days or whatever yes. we're having together, Lena sent a big box of the crown jewels of popcorn. From Indiana, the capital of popcorn. Where it's all grown in the fine soils of Indiana. <laughs> but it's all these different types uh, uh, not breeds, what would you say? Uh, Strains, I don't strains know. Strains of yeah. different gourmet popcorn. They're all named after jewels. Mm -hmm. And we just had a bowl of the one called something like Yellow Diamond. Or yeah. whatever, but it's really tiny and it has almost no hull. It's true. It's the smallest popcorn I've ever eaten. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, even when they were popped, the kernels were like smaller than a dime. Yes. You know, like really, and really I, small. You know, I made what I thought was a normal amount of popcorn mm -hmm. at first, and that was like nothing. So then I made a whole bunch, and it still was not that much. No. But but delicious. Oh, we have very delicious. All these different interesting popcorns. Different, different flavors, different colors. And when I ordered this sampler pack, I thought that they were going to be small bags, like little sampler bags. But no, no they're whole bags of popcorn. Uh, yeah, every single one of them will make six to eight yeah. big, big bowls. And there know? are six bags. Yeah. So there's enough popcorn in there for a long time. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm, I'm delighted. You well, know I love this. I, I know you do, but I was also being selfish because I love popcorn you too. We would enjoy and, it together, yeah. and that's not selfish at all. So we've got popcorn to we've go with our, popcorn, our, our, our track. We've got soda, you know. Everything. Everything all set. We're set. Yeah, um, <laughs> Friday, our big plan, is it Friday? Yes. Yeah. To go to the corn maze. As long as it's not lightning storms, we're going to try to go there. The weather is a little bit unpredictable. So. Right, but we're going to put Jack's podcasting dog <laughs> in the, the mobile podcast. Yeah. And take him out to a corn maze. It's going to be so much fun. Oh, my God. And from there, he's going to, to stay with family, and we will head to the con. Yes, and we'll see Bill. We will see Bill. And we will see John Tenuto. Yes. And who knows who else we are going to see. There will be tons of stuff happening. There, There is a Star Trek Discovery panel, but it's not really clear what is going to happen. They said it was going to be interactive. Well, a, a Star Trek friend of mine, who knows what that means, um, she was just at the New Yorker oh. and was posting. Uh -huh. And she went to the STD <laughs> panel. Uh-huh. And she said it was the vaguest of vague things you know uh -huh. they told us what they're going to tell us that's true that is true well i was talking with um uh another star trek fan about this and um he was telling me that brian fuller in a more recent interview basically said to people calm down 
just calm down and also please reset your expectations because we are not going to be doing every single thing that you want us to do. We're doing what we're doing and you're going to like most of it and we think you're going to be happy, but please don't think that we are going to check every box on everybody's list because it's not possible. Right. And even the things they are doing, I don't imagine they're going to do them all in episode No, one. of course not. Of course yeah. not. And it got me thinking, you know, that that is a problem with shows like this where the fan expectation is so huge and you have to remember that the people who are making this are creative artists, right? Like they have a vision of what they want mm -hmm. this thing to be. And we hope. <laughs> we think they do. And given the people who are involved, yeah, I would say, yeah, yeah, they probably do. Like, they're not hacks that somebody hired mm -hmm. and just threw a, a checklist at and said, yes. go make something. You know, they have an idea. They have a concept. They have a, the way that they want this thing to turn out. So as fans, we have to respect that and just say, they're going to do what they're going to do. And hopefully they are in tune with everybody and it's going to be something that we like. But you can't be, you know, giving them agendas. Well, and the thing is, I think one of the things that will kill your creative ambition mm -hmm. is to write to somebody's spec. Yeah, or exactly. To, to, to do it, well, you know, we got to do this because it'll make the fans happy. Yep, yeah. Um, the People don't know what they want. Right, yes, Until exactly. Until and then they're like, yeah, of course, of that's, course. It, that's absolutely that's what, what I've I want. Always then wanted. everybody mimics it until we're all tired to death of it. So you got to put your vision out there. Yep. Do the best job you possibly can. Some people are going to hate it. Some people are going to love it. Mm -hmm. Whatever. That's okay. You put your vision out there. That's right. And that's what I think they're doing. And that's what we need to just all step back and realize. Mm -hmm. I will say that every single piece about Star Trek Discovery that I've seen, um, the comments immediately devolve into people going, no, I like Voyager better. No, I like this better. No, I like that better. And like, why are you arguing about this? No one because cares. Because the internet, this is what we do. Oh my God, it's like, shut up. No <laughs> one cares. If you want to talk about something, talk about Discovery. Don't talk about why you like Voyager better than something But they else. have nothing to talk about with uh, Discovery. Well, you can speculate. That's true. You know, you can say maybe this, maybe that. And honestly, in a way, I'd say that's probably the safest discussion <laughs> rather than, oh, I like Voyager, I yeah. like this. But the thing is, okay, so let's say you go out there and you speculate and you go, um, it's the, the, uh, the captain mm -hmm. is going to be Cisco's great, great, great grandmother. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. And you know, you can't win. So I don't, I don't go to those discussions, no. but I, I do like, you know, Reading the various Sure, I do too. So I would just say, read all the articles, but don't read any of the yeah. comments. Just don't read the comments. Now, anything that I'm actually, like as a TV show I watch and stuff, I really do try to avoid spoilers because mm. I like being surprised. Yeah. I like when I look at the screen and go, they didn't do that. <laughs> Fuck. You know, and I mean, that's part of why I'm you know, so hooked on Game of Thrones mm -hmm. is because in every episode there's a, no way! Mm -hmm. You know, and that's great. I love that. I love something that engages me that sure. strongly. And I want to give this its chance. Absolutely. So um, there will be more information forthcoming. I think they reinforce the fact that um, they're still writing it. They haven't cast anybody yet, which is probably true, although mm -hmm. I'm sure that they have people under um, discussion at the moment. But it's still so early in the process, you know? It, it's not that they're deliberately withholding it is that they probably just don't have a lot more information that they could share mm -hmm. without spoiling things for everybody. Um, don't they have to start shooting pretty soon? I guess so. They said it's going to be out at the end of January. Wow. We'll see okay. if that happens. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Okay. It doesn't take nearly as long to do special effects as it used to. So That's true. Once they get stuff in the can and get it edited, it's mm -hmm. probably going to be pretty quick, I would think. Okay. So, speaking of Star Trek, yeah. I like Star Trek. I like Star Trek. It's a good too. show. We just watched some Star Trek. We did. We watched um, Conscience of the King. Yes, and those of you who follow us regularly, and I hope that's all of you, <laughs> will know that I recently saw parts of it on Heroes and Icons, mm -hmm. the channel that's showing these things remastered and uncut and that it looked fabulous. But I was going, I don't remember that scene. So we watched it together from the start, mm -hmm. 
and we were both hitting things we were going yeah I, I, I don't if I ever saw that it was once yeah. I don't remember so and the thing what really struck me was uh, this is the the cuts they made in syndication every local station did its own mm-hmm. they did there were no rules so they cut it for commercials they cut it for whatever one of the major cuts they made to this is something I'd never seen before changes the whole meaning Mm-hmm. of the story and caused God knows how many arguments online, which is, um, okay, there is the scene, which was in the versions I saw, and apparently a lot of other people, where McCoy says to Spock, did you ever think, did you, didn't you ever consider that he just likes the girl? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. I dismissed it. Mm-hmm. And that has been a big bone of contention mm-hmm. with the KS who's going, yes, he dismissed it because, because Kirk is his true boyfriend. Right. Um, but there was a scene, and backing up, without this scene I'm about to describe, that was always a question in the mind of people who are interested, was did he ever mm. care anything about her? Mm-hmm. Um, was he just using her? And there is this scene after he talks to Caridian, the actor, where Lenore comes in, mm-hmm. his daughter, and says, a tool, that's all I was. And Kirk says to her, yes, at first, but afterwards I wanted it to mean more. Mm-hmm. I don't remember ever seeing that. I could not remember whether or not he said that line. I know you said that your memory was that that scene ended right after he said to Caridian, if I'd gotten what I wanted, you might not be alive. Or Yeah, whatever, when he's what, leaving, about yeah, to leave the, the room. room. I don't remember ever seeing Lenore burst in right after that. I kind of sort of remember it, but I don't remember their whole... It's a very long scene because they, they talk for a couple of minutes and she goes. She has a really nice little speech after he says that mm-hmm. where she says, um, but it's too late now. And then she says, oh, everything's always too late. And it's sort of talking around things. And it's a nice foreshadowing of her mm-hmm. admission of guilt later on. Yeah. Um, I don't remember that. I kind of remember her coming out and them talking, but I don't remember how it ended. I don't remember that. And also the things is, um, there, there's quite a few Shakespearean mm-hmm. references. Mm-hmm. And if a speech was six lines long, I think in the version I saw, they cut it like after two or three. It's yeah. like point made. Yeah, yeah. Because after she accidentally kills her father, <laughs> she's got quite, quite, a long, quite a lot to say. Yeah. And... Um, I don't remember that going on that long mm-hmm. either. So it is really interesting to look at these things now and go, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, to be clear, this is the version on the DVD, the restored yes. version. So these are my DVDs. Um, okay. And Blu-ray. the part, Blu ray, yes, Blu ray. The part that I totally didn't remember was when they're down on the planet and they're at the, the cocktail party and then mm-hmm. they decide to leave. And then there's a shot of Kirk and Lenore walking around in the sand, and she's wearing this weird thing on her head. Oh, I've always remembered that. Okay, I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember seeing her wearing that thing because it's so striking. It's very ugly. Mm-hmm. You know, it sort of surrounds her head, and, and she looks like she's... It's kind of like a weird burqa. It is like a burqa. It's, it's strange, and it's just very out of place with what she's wearing, and it doesn't appear to be bad weather or something so mm-hmm. it's kind of questionable i don't remember seeing them walking around i remember seeing kirk running over to uh oh. tom layton mm-hmm. and discovering him but the little piece that came before that with them just they're just walking and talking oh, i remember that oh and then they're about to kiss and then he mm-hmm. looks as he's about to go in for the smooch he looks over her shoulder and sees the body and laying says, there oh, dead body yeah yeah that happens a lot yeah you gotta be careful of that and we both agreed the costumes on this episode were not good. No, they yes. didn't dress her very well. And plus, she had wacky hair in a lot oh, of these scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. In an in an attempt to look spacey, but man, was there a lot of Kirklight? <gasps> so much Kirklight. There was lots. He looked really good. And when you see the thing as a whole, or what we're assuming is now a whole, uh-huh. there are at least two, and maybe more discussions or implications of the idea of. Is modernization taking away our humanity? Mm, yes. And is Kirk just a part of his ship now? And mm-hmm. um, which which adds another good. dimension to it. And when the the writer's name came up at the end, and I've forgotten mm-hmm. his name, but I said, you know, big thumbs up to him mm-hmm. because that 
is a big twist mm -hmm. that it turns out to be the daughter who's killing the people, not uh, Caridian. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree, and as I said to you, I kind of forgot that that was what happened until it got to that point. I was mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, it's her, not him. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, there were a lot of really good things. I had forgotten how much of this episode was Spock and McCoy. Yeah. That was a good, I would say, 20% of the episode was Spock and McCoy talking it over. I love the scene where Spock goes into sick bay and McCoy's boozing it up. It's like his afternoon drink time. And I didn't say it's been three days. I've had any of this. Have some Spockle. But I got to tell you. Hilarious. Because, you know, of the chaos, there's just going insane with, you know, Kirk kissing mm -hmm. Spock's butt and everything else. I just love when Kirk smacks Spock down. <laughs> you know, none of your business. Follow my orders. I'm the captain. And Spock's like, Whoa. That was great. I, I I had forgotten that he actually says that when Spock says, <laughs> "How did you, you know, know this lady was coming aboard?" <laughs> and he just looks at and he goes, "I'm the captain." <laughs> <laughs> and you threw in, "I'm the goddamn captain." <laughs> so funny. It was great. I forgot that that was in there. But and then that whole scene right before that, when Kirk and Lenore are on the bridge and she's trying to she thinks she's sweet talking him into transporting them yeah. it wasn't even double entendre they were just having straight up sex talk on the bridge i know jeez <laughs> what could you do and spock's watching the I, know, and, going and, I know and her is like taking notes so she can pass this along but was, i mean he no, was, she's like going, you're not gonna play <laughs> i'm gonna put it on broadcast <laughs> he even says to her like what could you give me in exchange for a ride? Yeah. Like, I think we know what she's going to give you in exchange for a ride. So that brings up two questions. One I know the answer to, which is, of course, did um, Bill sleep with the woman who plays Lenore? And the answer is yes, yes. definitely. Are we supposed to think that they had sex, um, Kirk and Lenore? I think whenever Kirk kisses a woman, and not just Kirk, but just about any leading man of that era, uh -huh. It is a telegraphing of, of they sex. had sex. Okay. I think it's a substitute for sex because they could not put it on. They could not allude to it. Mm -hmm. They couldn't show them rolling over in bed and go, good morning, darling. Yeah. You know, so they kissed. So there were two places where I thought it might be more than just implied. So in the first one, it's when they leave the party because, I, as I said, I didn't, I'd never seen the scene where they're actually walking around. Oh, so okay. when they're, they're again, they're, they're not even double entendering. It's like, you know, I'd like to see you again. How about right now? Yeah. And pretty much the implication is let's go back to the ship or wherever or to your, your hotel and let's mm -hmm. have sex, which they don't. Or maybe they did and then they go for a walk. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. So that was one part. But then the other part was when he kisses her on the observation deck and mm -hmm. they cut away. And we don't see what happens to that. There's no resolution. We well, don't. We're talking about 1966, yeah. 67. So we have to figure it out for ourselves. Yeah. And we have. They had sex. I'm pretty sure they had sex. Yes. It's not. There wasn't a scene of them in his quarters with him pulling on his boots. But I think that was as as a, as you say as um, unsubtle as they could get about saying. And then after they kissed, they went and fucked. Yes. But. If they did, afterwards, let's assume he falls asleep, as all men do, <laughs> wouldn't it have been really easy for her to kill him then? That's true. Well, maybe he, he specific, he was on his oh. guard not to fall asleep. Well, yeah, or maybe he sort of did, and she's like, and then, beep, captain to the bridge, and yeah. go, sorry, babe. Or, or maybe they did it right on the observation deck and there was no bed Ooh, or sleeping. Yes. I, he would do that. Yes. He would totally daring. do that. Yes. So I could see that happening. Oh. Another scene I love, though, a bridge scene, was when Spock's up there getting information on Curtian and everything, and apparently it's the middle of the night. There's no one on the bridge. <laughs> it's just him hanging out. They're like on autopilot. The ship's, you know, like going in circles. Oh, and... man. That was very funny. Yes. Um, so I think that they did have sex, and, and for me, that is an important thing because it builds up their relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. What we see in the episode takes place in a very short space of time. It's less mm -hmm. than a week, right? Oh, yeah, it's only a day or it's two. It's a couple of days. Yeah. And, um, you know, for them to have a relationship where he was really starting to fall in love with her and she was thinking that it was a relationship... It seems weird that it would be that serious for her and that he would have some kind of feelings without having 
slept together. Well, here's the thing. Isn't it kind of ironic that she accuses him of using her? <laughs> when yes. probably... This is, okay, me reading into her, but she's like, yeah, he's he's some really good eye candy, mm -hmm. and I bet he's good in bed, so she tests him out, and yes, he is good in bed, mm -hmm. good in bed, but there wasn't anything in the whole universe that was going to stop her killing him. Correct. So if Kirk was thinking I wanted it to be more, he was the one with, you know, little yep. stars in his eyes and being rather naive about the whole thing because regardless of what mm -hmm. went on between them, Lenore was going to kill him. Uh, you are 100% right about that. I hadn't thought about that till now, but yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is, yes, correct. Yes. And they don't really address that. Mm -mm. Um, and then at the very end, there's that part where McCoy's like, what does he say? Did you really care about her? He says, well, you really cared about her, didn't you? Yeah, and, and Kirk doesn't say anything. Kirk just says, Full speed ahead. Yeah, and McCoy says, I've got my answer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're standing on the bridge. Yeah, really. The captain <laughs> has already broadcast enough of his personal <laughs> life, which, as we know, he doesn't like people interfering in. Yeah. Um, and he's not going to answer that question. Nope. Later, you know, when he goes down and, and McCoy's dead drunk, so he doesn't remember it anyway, and he goes to visit him, he'll say, yeah, I will. <laughs> I liked her a lot. You know, yeah, she was but. nice. She was a nice girl. I liked her hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was taking a couple of notes because there were some things that I thought were worth mentioning. Um, at the party, they're playing the Star Trek theme in that horrible lounge singer way, which is just awful. <laughs> and, you know, I'm noticing that... Um, they used it again in the observation deck. Yes, they did. <sighs> but it's just like it, it it's um what do they call it when they the, the trumpet player uses the, the the mute? The mute on the horn. It's like that. Yeah. And lots of strings. <laughs> it's really bad. But it's because, you know, they didn't want to pay anybody to write something new of or course. get the rights to use of course. something else. But it's like Mm. Um, I, I thought it was hilarious that we see Captain Kirk walking around with a drink, and he does a Shatner swallow, which mm -hmm. was very good. It was not a complete swallow because he didn't look at the drink after he took mm -hmm. his sip from it, but he did do the mouth thing. And then Lenore comes in, and he's just standing there giving her um, his best sexy smile, which totally worked. Oh, and, and she says to him, oh, is that drink for me? And he's like, sure. And he hands her the drink that he just took a big sip out of, so it's got Kirk backwash in it. No, well, okay, first of all, I think he's a very elegant drinker. He doesn't backwash. Second of all, he is anticipating that they will soon be so intimate that it isn't going to matter. Okay, I'll take that. Okay, side, but, sidebar. We came up with a, a, a thing a couple weeks ago when I was with my family. And I was trying to serve some food, uh -huh. and it was rather rather awkward, and something you know fell off the fork, but it landed on the table, mm -hmm. and I just you know forked it up and flipped it on the person's plate, or no, I picked it up <laughs> and put it on the plate. I said my hands are clean, and somebody else said they're family clean, <laughs> and that's that's the thing with family. It's like you don't care it's fine. with it's... somebody who is your partner or in Kirk's sure. case is almost certainly going to be. <laughs> it's like here, baby. <laughs> so funny though just I I was wondering as I was watching and at it, least she knows it's not a roofie that's true because <laughs> well so that's it. it like I was I was going through it in my mind as it was happening because I couldn't believe that that happened so first of all did she see him take a big swig out of it and I'm not sure that she did no I don't think she had come in so yet. he knowingly handed her a drink that he'd been drinking from and she didn't know it because he's such a classy guy <laughs> oh my god so that's that's I mean can you imagine doing that you're at a party somebody hands you a big glass of champagne you take a drink and then someone else comes in that you've never met before <laughs> and you're like oh here have, have this drink have and I'll just let me just wipe that lipstick off the glass no, for like, you there. Like I say, it's, oh it's my God. anticipation of int intimacy somehow made that acceptable. So there was that. And then I was thinking, Bill loves the business. So did Bill have an argument with the director going, I can't hand this woman a drink that I've just taken a big swig out of. Kirk has to put it down and get a fresh one. The director's like, Bill, no, we don't have enough time to do this. This all has to happen in one shot. Just hand her the glass. And Bill's going, I don't think that Kirk would do that. And they're like, Bill. Bill, it's four o'clock. We have to do this. We have to do this, yeah. <laughs> We're not going home until you get this shot. Oh, well, when you put it like that. Oh, my God. So that was very funny. Um, I, I question whether Kirk would not know that Riley was also on 
on the planet. Because they said there were only, to start with, there were only nine people mm -hmm. alive who saw Kodos. Mm -hmm. And even though Kirk was young, it seems to me like it would be the kind of thing that he might check on and just to see, you know, was uh, how many people and me saw this dude and then Riley transfers onto the ship and he never notices that it's the same guy? Well, and here's the other thing. Um, uh, it was 20 years earlier, so Kirk was what, 12, 13, something? Yeah. Riley, we can assume, is eight or nine. Yeah. How many of those nine people were kids? Yeah. Who knows? I'm, all of them? I, you know, mm -hmm. they don't say. Well, Tom Layton, right? He was one, and he was probably right. Kirk's age at Kirk's the time, age, so yeah. he would have been a teenager or yeah. a preteen. They never say that. And um, the other thing that, that is a little weird, and I, it's, it's totally an artifact of the time, is that um, they would rely on eyewitness testimony there were no pictures. I mean, there was the one picture. Everybody and everyone knows now that eyewitness testimony is the least reliable testimony right. of all. But, yeah, I was thinking that too. There, there's only one photograph of this guy. Not, there was no, no film or whatever they're using in, in yeah. that time. I mean, we nowadays practically have, uh, you know, cameras. Sure, everywhere I, when you run a red yeah. light. And everything I mean, there, else. there was it's no kind of bizarre to. To think that, and there was no DNA on file for him ever. Well, and that's the thing. I've got to assume that in 200, 300 years, that forensic technique has advanced enough that burned body, unless it's yeah. burned to ash, right? They'll find something. They'll find something. Yeah. So, and and again, that's because this show was made in 1967. Right. And it's and also a convenience of storytelling. Yeah. So that's weird. And then the other thing that they didn't really address, although they they did talk about it in more general terms, was. Um, McCoy says to Kirk, he's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill him? And Kirk was like, no, but it might bring me pee. Like, they, they kind of talk around the issue, and it got me thinking. It's like, why can't they just arrest him? It wasn't the case that Kirk was going to kill him. Right. But there is the case to be made that if it's really him, Kirk has an obligation to have this investigated and bring him to justice. Like, take him to a star base and let Starfleet deal well, with it. Well, exactly. And it's like... Kirk does not need to be the judge and jury. Right. He doesn't have to be 100% certain, which is what he keeps going for. At some point, Spock, you know, lists off all the evidence. Yeah. And then they have the voice print, and then they have that there's no Caridium prior to Kodos yeah, yeah. and everything. Kirk could have said, yeah, I'm, I'm arresting him now on suspicion yeah, of this. Yeah, sure. And we're going to Starbase, whatever. Yeah. Like, how much trouble would he have gotten into if he'd arrested him? Or just taking him into custody and like, right. and and just taking him to the star base and gone. Look, I have some concerns, and it turned out not to be true. Like, would that have been a black mark? I don't think so. I don't think so. You know that Kirk is not a rash person, and he's not doing something mm -hmm. completely rash and, you know, uh, irresponsible. Right. He's being very responsible by investigating something that he's got some good, some pretty good evidence about. Right. That so, was just it. He had plenty of evidence to at least you know, report it to the authorities mm -hmm. and let them say, yeah, bring him in. We want yeah, to talk exactly. to this guy. So that was a little weird. But again, storytelling convenience. I understand right. about that. Um, just a couple more things that I thought were good. When Kirk's in his quarters and um, Spock and McCoy come in to sort of say, we know what you're up to, um, he's writing on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And that's the paper that he takes into uh, Caridian later on that has the speech on it. Oh. I never realized that before. He's copying it down. He's copying it down from his memory, he said. I and remembered your words. And they do a words. print out of the voice. Yeah. Print. Instead of saying to the computer, analyze. Yeah, it's actually printed. So there's a yeah. lot of paper in this episode, yeah. unusually, which was good. But at least there were no styrofoam coffee cups. God, that, that okay. me to know but Riley, down in engineering, has a glass, a glass of milk, of milk. <laughs> but still a glass on a starship? I don't yeah, think so. I yeah, don't think they're going to have idea. glasses yeah. unless it was like ceremonial stuff. But, you know, maybe they've made unbreakable glass. now. They broke. You heard it when he knocked oh, it off. Yeah. There was actually the sound of breaking glass. So that was bad. Um, mm -hmm. And then finally, I wanted to say that at the very end, when uh, Lenore shoots her dad by mistake, there's mm -hmm. a very badly dubbed in scream. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the Wilhelm scream or close to it. Because mm. it does really sound like something going, ah. <laughs> you know, it's I bad. was in a play years and years ago when I was in college, and it was a takeoff on monster movies. Uh -huh. 
and the, the, the sweet young thing we had playing, the, the leading lady was terrible. <laughs> and totally inhibited, could not let go at all. But there was a scene where she had to scream mm -hmm. off stage. And um, some of us were, were talking and said, God, she's so bad. And I said, but boy, she really nails that scream. It was fantastic. It was one of the other actors. Did <gasps> really? Oh. Because she would have been like, <laughs> you know, so. Well, uh, it was good acting because it fooled you. It fooled me. <laughs> and God knows that isn't easy to do. Says <laughs> the lady who bought the Blu-ray player. You were optimistic. I, that's true. I was you were optimistic. very optimistic. Okay, let's take a little break. Okay. And then let's um, talk about another Star Trek episode. Oh, okay. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com and leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. And please visit us at the Look at His Butt Facebook page. Okay, now we're ready. We're, we're ready, we're back. We're back, we're gonna talk um, about uh, Star some Star Trek. Trek and then we're gonna talk about another thing that Bill's been doing. So I recently broke out these very same DVDs to watch The Cage, because I hadn't seen The Cage in ages and ages and ages. And then uh, I watched The Menagerie because I hadn't really seen that for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see it after I'd watched The Cage just to see what there was that was the same and different. Now, so, refresh my memory. Is the cage? Uh, it was one of those early Fathom events, wasn't it? Several years ago. Yes, it was. was. Yeah, in theaters, and we went. To we it. did go to it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's what I thought. so the version that we saw in the Fathom events was different, and it, I have it. It's a, the DVD has two has three versions of it on there. One is the version that um, was shown on television. Well, no, it wasn't shown on television, but it was the original pilot uh, that they cut to about 60 minutes or so then it's that same one with the enhanced effects okay. like they did a remastering that's right. the one I watched but then there's the one that we saw at the Fathom events which is longer than 60 minutes because some of the footage had been cut out and lost but then they found it but it was in black and white right okay I didn't watch that because it's long enough as it is at yeah. 60 minutes so I watched it and um, as before you know it's I think we talked about this after we saw it. It's far more Roddenberry than Star Trek eventually ended up being. Like, there's a lot of talk, mm -hmm. and it's it's far less um, bright, and I mean literally bright. Like the the bridge is very dark, and it just doesn't have the feel, you know, the optimism. I know it's there, but it just doesn't come out. And, and Jeffrey Hunter has a lot to do with it. His character is not like Captain Kirk. You know, he's all angsty. He's thinking about quitting Starfleet. He's not a happy guy. And even on the bridge, he's very tense. Like he's not sort of at ease in his mm -hmm. role on the bridge. Well, and for a pilot, to me, that is a key mistake to make. Yeah. Is that here's your lead actor who's on this space adventure, and he's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Is I you know and I remember um, reading a thing once written by the guy who does who is the main editor whatever his name is for the the Strange New Worlds anthologies uh -huh. and he's saying this is what I look for and everything he said do not submit a story to me that starts out with anybody on the bridge being bored <laughs> I don't wanna uh -huh. read that yeah nobody does yeah that's for your fanfic. Um, yeah. And, and Lord knows we've done that in fanfic. My favorite one that I wrote was when um, Ahura was bored on the bridge <laughs> because they were all acting like a bunch of teenagers and mm -hmm. she was like throwing pencils at Kirk's back. Or something. <laughs> That's right. That's the only time it works. Is but when, it's like you're doing that for comic yes, effect. Yes, for comic effect, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, she was kicking his chair. That was what it was. <laughs> he kept getting, he was like, quit it, quit it. And quit, quit it. Kicking his chair. Anyway, so um, I was struck again by the fact that uh, the character of number one is pretty interesting, but unfortunately, Majel just really can't carry that role off. Mm -hmm. 
she doesn't have what it takes to be that character. You know, I think they discovered later on that her talent really was in doing um, Loxana Troy, where she could be really over the top. She's and a character she's actress. She's very much a character actress. And, and in that character of number one, it needed somebody who could convey, as Leonard Nimoy did, you know, a volume with a raised eyebrow. Mm-hmm. And she just couldn't do that. Right. It wasn't her strong suit. And the times she was good in, in playing Chapel were not the times when she's mooning after Spock, but where when she's, you know, a little snippy with yes. McCoy or somebody. Yes. When she in you know, when she puts that acid in her, yeah. that's really good. But she's a character actress. Yep. And for some reason Jean kept trying to make her into a, a glamorous leading lady. Yeah. Type. So it didn't work. Interestingly, I was just reading somewhere that for forever, everyone has said, oh, NBC wasn't comfortable with a woman being second in command. And actually what they said was, um, you could have a woman in command, but you have to recast the part. And Jean wasn't willing to do that. Oh, wow. I never heard of that. Yeah. So they were fine with having a woman, but they Ooh. just they didn't like Majel's performance. And they were like, if you want to keep this, you have to put somebody else in that part. And he wouldn't do it. Hmm. Interesting. And it worked out better anyway oh, to yeah. have all of her emotionless stuff be transferred to Spock and just make that one character. Having mm-hmm. the two of them was kind of redundant. Um, so it's a weird episode. The thing that bothered me most of all, though, was the end. Because I was thinking about it, and I was like, okay, so first of all, you know, she's, she wants to stay because she thinks, Vina wants to stay on the planet because she thinks she's too deformed now to live in society, you know. Pike never says, hey, we can fix you. Well, that's just, <laughs> yeah, but the, you know, you got to figure, yeah, the Telosians put her together the best they could, could yeah. figure, but that doesn't mean... That human and Federation doctors couldn't, yeah, couldn't repair all that. Sure, like, you know, maybe she wouldn't be the beautiful, glamorous person she was in her illusion, but she wouldn't be, you know, a deformed person mm-hmm. with all these disabilities. And Pike's like, "Yep," <laughs> he just leaves her there. So then he leaves her there, and he leaves all the other creatures that are there as well. It's like, hey, remember the Telosians torturing you? Remember that when they were torturing Mm -hmm. you? You just left all those living beings there, including Vina, to be tortured by the Telosians forever? Mm. Who does that? Well, and okay, compare and contrast with gangsters of Triskelion. Yeah. At the end, when Kirk is bargaining with those guys, because he's one, he's like, no, you free all of these people. Yeah. And you educate them and you, you know, get them to the point where they can form their own free society. It wasn't just let aluminum foil bra girl go or, or any of that. Yeah, so I, it was really shocking to me that that was the official line on Talos. Let's leave all these poor creatures here to suffer with the Talosians mm-hmm. because we don't give a shit and now we're leaving. Like, wow, so that's cold and Kirk would never have done that, by the way. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really disturbing and also a terrible ending to a pilot episode. It's like, really? This is the Federation? They're just going to leave people in trouble and not help mm-hmm. them? That's not what the Federation yeah. does. Yeah. So that was really very disturbing and it's not something I've seen uh, written about or talked about very much mm-hmm. as a problem. You know, the episode has other problems, but that was bad. Um, I will say that one thing that stuck out to me most was uh, Susan Oliver, who played Vina, her performance is amazing. Yes. It's so good. It's mm-hmm. when you see it in the cage and you see all the different ways that she plays that character and how it, it, it bounces from emotion to emotion so quickly, she can turn on a dime. Like mm-hmm. she was just great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like huge kudos to her for, for taking this weird role and doing something amazing with it. I don't think she gets enough recognition for yeah. that performance. Yeah. Um, and also noticing, maybe we talked about this, I can't remember, but it's so overtly sexual. So in the part where she is, she and, and Pike are in the Orion slave girl thing, mm-hmm. so there's a part in that that's not in the menagerie where um, after he leaves the room where she's dancing, he, he goes into another corridor and he's sort of trapped because there are no walls uh, or doorways and windows, mm-hmm. and she follows him. And she comes up to him, and they they have a little conversation, and it looks like she's about to come and kiss him, and that's when they get interrupted by the by number one and the yeoman beaming down, oh. and she's sort of standing around him, and she's got her hands in this very interesting position, like she's almost touching him, and her hands look a little like 
spider hands. It's really interesting. I'll try to find the image. We could look at it. But when when they come down and Vina sees that the illusion is broken and she sort of looks around and she goes, I wasn't finished. And it's just, it's like, wow, they got that past the censors. That's amazing. Yeah. Because yeah. that was the most sexual thing ever. But it's I also, wasn't Vina, finished. you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it's been ages since I saw the cage and the mm-hmm. menagerie. She's got a lot at stake there. Yes. I mean, she needs him to, to stay there and to want to be with her. So, of course, she's she is it was just it was so good so so very good Mm -hmm. so that was cool um and then i watched the menagerie and there were parts of that that i didn't remember Uh, i was telling you earlier the scene where um mendez and spock and kirk are outside pike's room and they have a little conversation about what happened to pike i totally don't remember that so maybe that was just a syndication cut in my area but Mm -hmm. i don't remember them having that conversation and I haven't seen that one enough to know if I if I'd ever seen that before there were a couple other cuts which I could tell that they'd done like at the very end of part one uh, everybody leaves the court martial room except for Kirk and he's just kind of wandering around while there's Mm -hmm. a a voiceover and I'm pretty sure they cut that because it didn't add anything Mm -hmm. and then at the beginning the beginning of part two um, because it was part two they had to have Kirk do exposition police yes so I, I, it was like, oh, Kirk's functioning as his own exposition police and giving us, here's what happened in part one. <laughs> Let me recap the whole thing for you. Last week on Star Trek. Yeah. So in the menagerie, they don't make reference to all the other people who are trapped on the planet. And mm. for the longest time, I thought it was only Vina. I didn't realize there were other oh, yeah. species that yeah. were down there. You only find that out in the cage. So then it becomes less of a problem mm-hmm. that they leave her there because it's just her and it's just her choice. Right. And not all these other poor creatures who are there, which is just crazy. So they took away that problem. But it's still really questionable, you know, that they're going to leave Pike there and they're going to leave her there. And how old must she be? Like, at that point, it's... So she was... Um, and when one of them dies, the only Yeah, one like, is, what happens? The other one is the only human... Yeah. And the other thing is, from the cage to the menagerie, they completely changed the character of the Telosians. Yes. Because um, when the, the the big reveal comes, yeah. we realize that they're they're being completely benevolent and wanting to help Pike. And, and sure. It's like, what? What about the torture? Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't fake. I mean, that and really that was, happened. And that Spock was in on all this? Yeah. Which is weird also that he would do it. And very out of character for him not to take Kirk into his confidence, I guess. Mm -hmm. Also, and I think we mentioned this once before, but uh, that's the podcasting dog, by the way. Oh, yes, he's growling and and wanting attention. Yeah, That the Talosians could manifest an illusion of Mendez in the ship so far away from the planet. Mm -hmm. What is the point of having the death penalty for visiting it if they can (laughs) extend their powers halfway across the galaxy? I never thought of that. I mean, they can do what they want to. Well, maybe the whole universe doesn't even exist outside of Talos. That's entirely possible. That could be. It could just be that they're in charge of everything. Them and the Organians are just running everything. (laughs) And Trelane. right? <laughs> All those monster power people. Anyway, so it was interesting. You know, they did a pretty good job of spinning that out into a two-parter. Um, there was a lot of talk, but of course, it's a court-martial, so there is going to be a yes, lot of yes. talk. And uh, they, they did a funny thing where uh, in the first part, they're sitting in the room, and Spock asks Scotty to turn on the projector. Mm-hmm. He's like projection screen on and Scotty's got something that he's sitting looking at it's like a little it looks like a viewmaster, and he, he flicks a switch and the thing comes on in the second half they didn't even bother doing that <laughs> it just comes on and no one no, it's like isn't Scotty supposed to be turning that on now <laughs> nobody notices it's just you know whatever let's keep going with the movie I want to see what happens yep. and, and, and Scotchy and McCoy don't even show up in part two they were there for the court-martial in part one, and in part two, they're gone. Yeah. They just never showed up. They were out drinking, presumably, because yeah. yeah. it was 4 o'clock in sick bay and time to get drunk. So, <laughs> Anyway, um, so those are my thoughts on those two episodes, having watched them recently. But let's talk about Bill. Let's talk about Bill. And what Bill's been doing. Bill has been 
To the Orient. He has, to Asia. To where he's never been, to Japan. He said he'd never been to Japan, which I find hard to believe. I do, too. Maybe he was lying. Well, maybe he'd been to Japan, but not to Tokyo and Kyoto. Oh, could be, yeah. You know, it could be those cities. Yeah. The show is called Better Late Than Never, as we've mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And it's him and Henry Winkler. Oh, by the way, Henry Winkler's the producer on the show, so it was oh. his idea. Okay. So clearly, his production company bought the rights to that weird Korean show, and mm-hmm. said, he said, I'm going to get my friends to go. Yeah. So it's him and Bill and uh, Terry Bradshaw and George Foreman. Why? I don't know, but they, those are the people that they, they picked they to do it. They are all older yeah. male celebrities who agreed to do it. And one comedian named Jeff, Jeff Dye, that nobody knows who he is. And yeah, I don't think he's done anything funny either. No, he's not very funny in this. He mostly carries the luggage. He carries the luggage and... You know, it's a reality show, which means it's scripted. <laughs> so when he's up there on the screen going, I booked us a room in this hotel. It's like, no, you didn't book a room in the hotel. You, <laughs> you, you had nothing to do with this. Right. You were just there to carry their luggage and be the straight mm-hmm. man for a lot of the jokes that happened. So I watched episode one, which was when they landed in Tokyo and did some Tokyo things. Mm-hmm. And then you watched episode two also. I've, yeah, I've watched one and two. Um, and later tonight we'll watch or tomorrow, whatever, three. we'll watch three together. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, so it's a weird show. It's a really weird show. Yes, it is. It's interspersed with uh, the film of them doing what they're doing, and then it cuts back to uh, interviews with the, mm-hmm. the members. And I noticed that Bill and Henry are almost always together mm-hmm. during the, the interview part, like they can't bear to be separated or something. Well, um I did find out a little bit about they do know each other from before. Mm -hmm. Um, Henry says they met at some point. He had gone to an audition. This was after Fonzie and everything. And uh, he had not done well, and he came out and he was feeling really down. And I guess for some reason he ran into William Shatner, who was very sympathetic (laughs) and nice, and I don't know. Um, But uh, one of the, the reviews said like Winkler and Shatner, the bromance we didn't know we needed. Because <laughs> the two of them together, that's the show. It is, yeah. You really do not need the other guys. No, I completely agree. And maybe that's the way Henry had pitched it. And then they said, no, you gotta have some more some more mm-hmm. people to spice it up, to yeah. make it more yeah. interesting. Uh, oh, oh sorry. Jack, <laughs> was he barking at the train or did you no, pinch I him? No, I scratched too hard. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm petting him here. That's okay. <laughs> oh. Okay, we won't do that anymore. That's okay. They want to know that Jack the Podcasting Dog is here and he's on the there. job, and he is. He's, he's working hard, very, very hard. He's obviously a fan of uh, Terry Bradshaw, and you don't like his trash talking him. I, I, I have a problem with shows that uh, are, I was going to say marginally racist, but pretty racist is a good way to put it, you know? They're going to go to Japan. Okay, there's a lot of wacky stuff in Japan. They go and they stay at a capsule hotel. Mm-hmm. They didn't really stay at a capsule hotel. They only filmed scenes at a capsule hotel. And then they went and they stayed at the really nice hotel mm-hmm. that was across the street, in my opinion. Like, they didn't sleep there. Capsule hotels are wacky and stuff. They go to a restaurant and get served weird food. And they make it out to be like they didn't know that it was going to be a mm-hmm. restaurant where they get served weird food. Of course they knew. That was the whole point. Um, and then they go to a, a, a Michelin-starred restaurant uh-huh. and get the steak and potatoes and find out that the secret ingredient that the chef has used for the potatoes was dirt. Yes. And again, that's like the big reveal, and everybody's like, oh, my God. And it's, it's so like, oh, look at Japan. It's so weird and wacky. They eat mm-hmm. parts of animals that white people don't eat and strange food that white people don't eat. It's like, really? Do you have to be like that? Well, you know? And... That bugs me. Yes, and it bugged me too. And when I saw the first episode, I was going, this is all too frantic. This is making me crazy, Yeah. the, the way it was. Second episode was much different. It was a better? Okay, so tell me about the second episode. Second episode was much better. Um, they, they went to Kyoto, uh-huh. which apparently is a big center of peace yeah. and, and a beautiful, beautiful city and everything. And, you know, Bill was talking about, these guys are being such jerks, and I really want to experience this 
And um, now I got to get it right. Well, you know, certain things happen. But like I was telling you, they went to a Zen master, uh-huh. and the other three are like giggling and you know goofing off and, and everything. And Bill's just in the moment, having the experience. Mm. He and the Zen master just totally. That's awesome. So then they go to to the the karate master uh-huh. to learn how to do throwing stars. And um, the first person who threw, which might have been Henry. They, they had like a dartboard. <laughs> he actually got it on the dartboard and mm-hmm. it stuck. The next person, it, it um, hit the dartboard and bounced off. The next guy, it went in the wall. <sighs> and then Bill gets up there, totally focuses, <sighs> threw it, got very close to the bullseye. And Terry Bradshaw is getting really pissed off at this uh-huh. as being an obnoxious fuck. He's pretty he obnoxious. Was, he was the worst of the... You're telling me people eat this people? Uh, you know, the whole thing. Awful. But... um. And he's going, Shad, are you just all into what's going on? You know, anything. Well, when they got to wherever their next place was that they were going, I can't remember, Bill said, I decided I've had it with <laughs> sleeping in capsule hotels and everything. So he, get, he says he, but, you know, okay, we'll take all that with many grains of salt. But um, he gets them a luxury limo. Ooh. And then they're all like, yeah, this is great. And they, they go to stay in the most expensive hotel suite in the world. Oh, my God. Which is $18,000 a night. Holy shit. It's got a private swimming pool. Wow. Um, and so, you know, now they're, they're very happy. Well, they want to go see Mount Fuji. Uh-huh. And Mount Fuji, you know, is a mountain. Yeah. So in the first episode... They wanted to go, and they didn't even get close. They climbed up all those steps. Oh, was that in episode one? That was in episode one, yeah. Okay. So then, uh, you know, Bill was talking about, oh, Terry Bradshaw, he loves to sing. Well, they come out of wherever they were, and there's a crowd of people, and they're like, what's going on over there? Oh, look, it's like outdoor karaoke. Mm. And so Terry Bradshaw's singing, and the people going crazy. Well, come to find out, at least according to the script, Bill set that up for Terry to make him happy and terry's been trash talking bill through the whole thing so yes there was a little more texture to this a little more content but i gotta say george foreman seems like a nice nice <laughs> enough guy you know quiet and everything but he's not not really contributing no nope. terry bradshaw is absolutely the ugly oh, american he's insufferable he really and, is you know bill is you know trying to experience yeah. japanese culture and Henry's producing a show. I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> Henry and Bill are, are, are cute together. They're fun. They are. They really are. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought in the first episode, it was it was quite funny that Henry was getting recognized, or yes. at least the script said he was getting recognized mm-hmm. and taking pictures with all sorts of people. And I wondered how much Bill was getting recognized mm-hmm. as well. I mean, Star Trek's really big in Japan. Yes. I can't imagine that people didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. So they didn't Shatna-san. show. Yeah, san uh, and I, I also was, you know, appreciating Bill's, as you say, like his, his wanting to experience things and mm-hmm. being really positive, even when, you know, the script has them dealing with something ridiculous, like being a, well, except he did look horrified on the game show. Yes. <laughs> he was not comfortable with that in any way, shape or form. Oh, well, here's something else, a little backstage bit. Yeah. Um, to do the show, Bill talked them into paying for Elizabeth to come along. Really? Although she's never seen on camera. Yeah. She was there. Oh, that's another reason they didn't stay in that capsule hotel. <laughs> yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, so I, I, let me just look at my notes here. Um, so I want to see what episode three is like, because two was was better yeah. than one. One was like, oh my God, what a mess. Yeah. Um, I noticed that they had uh, some kind of promotion deal with Delta Airlines. <laughs> Delta, the worst airline in the world. <laughs> Delta's terrible. They're, um, hey, Delta, you're a bad airline. So oh, my years. God. Yeah, they're pretty bad. Mm. They're uh, almost as bad as United, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that was weird. It was like, really? Delta? That's who you got? Okay. Um, and I really, I, um, when they were on the game show, the, the t- whatever the show was, it wasn't a game show. It was a Japanese morning show, Talk which show is, yeah, yeah, which was very high energy. And mm-hmm. again, it's like not all Japanese TV is like that. I mean, some of it is. They have regular talk shows where people sit around talking like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. Don't, like, that's not what Japanese, anyway. So racist. Uh, 
they're they're introducing all of them and they introduce Bill last mm-hmm. and there's a lot of cheering in the audience and everybody's clapping and going yay yay and then they finally introduce Bill and 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 then everyone's clapping and Bill's clapping and he's kind of looking around and he's going yes we love him <laughs> good on you Bill being your own cheering section making sure everybody knows well maybe at that point he had so given up on the, the <laughs> he talk didn't know what he was... that he didn't know they were applauding for him and he's just, just clapping and going yeah whatever whatever's happening i'm cheering for it um they did when they they were on the karaoke bus Mm -hmm. and they showed everybody singing bill was singing and i want to know what he was doing karaoke to they didn't show what it was oh i wanted to know well i don't think many of his recordings have made it to the karaoke recording Uh, he could have been doing anything and it would have been great just Mm -hmm. to hear him do Mm -hmm. it whatever it was that he did i like that um bill was saying you know, Terry's got a bunch of albums out. Or, or Henry said that mm-hmm. in the interview, and Bill said, they're not as good as mine. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like to lose. Absolutely. And then they put up some uh, statistic for how uh, his albums had debuted and mm-hmm. whatever and has been had sold so many copies. That was pretty funny. Yep. So it's a very weird show. Is it six episodes, eight I episodes? I believe it is six. Whew. It's going to be tough going, getting through mm-hmm. the rest of them. Who knows? Who yeah. Knows what can Who happen? knows what could happen? Maybe the, the character and texture of it changes each episode. Yeah, that would that would be good. I was thinking that they were going to maybe do it where each episode focused on each of them a little bit. Mm. Like you know, this is what this guy really wanted to do, and this mm-hmm. is what this guy really wanted to do. But it doesn't seem like they're quite mm-hmm. doing it that way. That might have been more interesting because we're not getting to know each of them very no. much, which would be nice. And they aren't really um, bonding as a group. No, they're not. They're totally not. I, I, in my mind, I was comparing it to uh, Bill's Home Improvement Show, which mm-hmm. I absolutely loved. Yes. And, you know, that I really felt on that show that we got to know a side of him that we hadn't before. Mm-hmm. We also got to know the people who were doing the work in his house pretty well. Like, they, mm-hmm. they gave time to let those people talk about what they loved and what they did and why they did the things they did. And the interactions that they had with Bill were really interesting. Well, and I think part of why we felt at least like we were seeing a little bit more of the real Bill is Elizabeth keeps him real. Yes, that's right. That That's absolutely right. It was really good that the two of them so were there together. So he was not really in performer mode. Yes, that is true. So there's maybe... The, the comedian dude, Jeff, maybe that was supposed to be his job, was to sort of ground them, but he he's, didn't not, do shit. he's not doing anything. No. He, he's not he's no. not participating. He's not making jokes. You know, he, he doesn't even get off a good line out of the script, yeah. even, <laughs> you know, or if he did, they cut it out because yes. they're certainly not showing it. But they, they should have had somebody to keep them more grounded. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if it had just been Bill and Henry, they would have done that more for each other. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Is that a Bill and Henry show might have been a little yeah. more interesting. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, as you say, it was really frantic and a lot of it seems really superficial and mm-hmm. I'm I'm really really hoping that they they drop the, you know, oh look at these weird funny mm-hmm. Asian people. Yeah. Let's make fun of them. Well, speaking of keeping it real and not keeping it real, <laughs> I want to do a very quick movie review. Oh, please. I saw the movie Never Think Twice, uh-huh. which is about an improv troupe. Oh, cool. And um, and two of them are offered the chance to audition for a show like Saturday Night Live. And certainly the improv scenes in this, where the, the, the troupe is performing and everything, are, are fun mm-hmm. and funny. And I believe all the, the the actors have a lot of improv background, but I got to tell you, the other scenes were making me uncomfortable because it reminded me of what assholes certain types of actors can Ooh. be, and it's the type that is never off, especially oh. if they're with other actors. Oh. And I just wanted to go. Get off the stage! You're in a car. Uh, you know. So, um, other people I know did not respond quite as <laughs> vehemently. Well, it's <coughs> it's what's in your background. That's yes, what makes your yes. your response to a piece of entertainment. <coughs> 
Oh. Well, uh, are, are the characters supposed to be assholes? Maybe they are. That would make a difference if that was mm -hmm. the filmmaker's intent, certainly. Mm. Interesting. <sighs> well, I feel like we've talked a lot. We have. Let's wrap this one up. Okay. But let's watch some more stuff. Let's oh. watch the next episode of Better Late Than Never. Okay. Um, and we'll be watching more stuff. We brought loads of stuff to watch, which we're, gonna we're going to do. We're going to the con. We will be reporting from the con. We from the con and maybe from the corn maze if the weather keeps good and we don't get struck by lightning. And the creek don't rise. <laughs> and, and other stuff to talk about, too. There's a lot of reports of the stuff at the... Star Trek Con in New York that we want to talk about, but mm -hmm. um, we'll do that next time. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, bye. Bye.